The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. My name is Ken Smith. Certified Financial Planner and CEO of Empirical Wealth Management, host of, co-host, I guess you could say, oh, the main host, Empirical the main Investing host. Radio. Yeah, Ethan and I, uh, my my compadre here, Ethan Broga, Certified Financial Planner and partner in Empirical. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. We've been doing this together now. Oh, yeah. Is that for me? Thank you. Thanks for you. Thank you very much. Several years, and Ethan, uh, we're live today on uh, this lovely May 8th. Thursday, and uh, we are going to broadcast the last show on Voice America for some period of time. We've got to got some things planned over the summer we're going to be working on. That's right. A lot of things in development, a lot of things in the hopper. Exactly. And um, so we're going to take a break, but what we are, all the shows will be uh, continue to be archived directly on our website, and we'll start uh, producing semi-regular recordings on and posting them onto the website. Is that correct, Simon? I think that sounds great. Which is empirical.net, E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L.net. And then after that, you know, after that, we'll probably come back with a, a, a totally retooled, um, updated format, and we'll be back. Stronger than ever. Stronger than ever. This show was designed to share with you prudent investing and financial planning ideas to help you make a lifetime, not just one or two, Ethan, but an entire lifetime of smart financial decisions. That's a lot. Yeah, and I think you've done your part. So, before we get into the meat of the show today, um, why don't you tell our listeners, you know, if they do want to call us throughout the week, email us, what can we do? What can we do for them, Ethan? And, and I have, you know, for this special show, last show, I want to play one of your favorite clips of, of a recent client interaction that you've had. <laughs> <laughs> So go ahead and give us tell them how we can help, and then I'll play a clip from, uh, I recorded one of your recent client meetings, and I thought we could play it. <laughs> that sounds great. For the you know, advisor training portion. Right. You know, we're right. out looking to recruit and train good advisors, and I think you've got some top-tier material. So go That's ahead. That's pretty funny. I am funny. Well, first of all, if you are you are an individual investor out there, perhaps you'd like to uh, get together and uh, get a second opinion in your current portfolio. We'd be happy to do an evaluation for you and uh, compare what you currently have versus uh, versus what we might do, given your circumstances and considerations and things. Um, we also have the ability to do uh, stellar retirement planning. Uh, if you're looking to develop, perhaps for the first time even, a retirement plan, we'd love to walk 
through you uh, walk you through that, including our investments, tax, and cash flow planning analysis. Um, all designed to help you make more of what you have. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can reach us at here in the beautiful downtown Empirical Towers at 206 923 3474. And you can ask to speak with Ethan or Ken directly, and we'd be happy to schedule time to get together. Well, that sounds pretty good. And it's you really can good. email me directly, ksmith at empirical.net, E M P I R I C L L. Email works for me too. Dot net. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm here usually till 24 7. 24/7. 24/7. 24/7. Anytime I will do my best to check that's right and get back to you peremptorily. <laughs> so, Ethan, real quick, I wanted to play some of this clip. You know, this is a, uh, something that you, one of your interactions that we recorded several years ago. It's one of your all time favorites. And I was a little younger we'll, then. We'll get back into it. Um, voice is a little different, let's, I think. Let's, let's all take a listen in on Ethan's meeting here. So, what can I help you with? I would like to know if I can retire in five years. I'd be happy to help you determine a suitable retirement age. I don't want to pay fees. Well, we don't know if we will do any business yet. Let me learn more about you to determine if I can help. It costs nothing to talk to me. Good, because I really don't want to pay fees. How old are you now? 45. And you would like to retire at 50? Yes. Do you have any children? No. What do you have saved for retirement? I have $100,000 in my IRA and 5000 in savings. Any other retirement funds? No. Should I buy gold? Well, gold is often part of a well-diversified portfolio. I want to buy gold. Kramer said to buy gold. I love Kramer. He's and a good Google. guy. We will look at that as an option when considering your overall allocation. You must have a cold May I just day, ask you a few more questions a so robotic. that I may make suitable recommendations? Uh, I think I should invest in no-load index funds. They have low expenses, and I don't like to pay fees. Index funds are inexpensive, but offer no professional management or thorough diversification. They can be very risky. I don't want anything risky. I, I just want that. to retire in five years. Hmm. I want to help you retire, but you should not use your IRA funds until you are 60 to avoid a penalty. Why do you charge your clients a penalty? I wouldn't charge you a penalty. The government would. I need a new car. I will use the money in my IRA. Your IRA is intended to give you income in retirement. It is wise to save it for your future. If you make a large withdrawal now to buy a rapidly depreciating asset, a third of your money will go to taxes and you will have no money to retire or buy a car ever again. Well then, the IRA does not sound like a good deal at all. It is a good deal when used properly in a sound retirement plan. Do you have any other expenses coming in the next few years? My son is going to college next year. You told me you did not have any children. I didn't think that was any of your business. I need important information about you to be able to provide you with sound advice. Okay, we have one child. A son. Where is your son planning on going to school? He wants to go to Harvard. We are thinking he will get a scholarship. He is very smart. He has a B-plus average. He will likely not get into Harvard with a B-plus average, much less get a scholarship. Do you have any money saved for his education? I can use the money in my IRA. I have already advised you to save your IRA for retirement income and the cost of Harvard is over $50,000 per year. You do not have enough money for that. He will get financial aid. How much do you and your husband make? Why do you want to know? 
so I can tell you whether or not you will get financial aid. We make $200,000. You will not get any financial aid. <laughs> I will ask my so accountant for help. Yeah. Your accountant cannot get you financial aid. We should be realistic and look at other options. I don't want an annuity. I hate annuities. An annuity has nothing to do with education. And why do you hate annuities? Because Susie Orman says they are evil. She said you would try to sell me an annuity. I hate annuities. Susie Orman, Susie Orman, Susie Orman, Susie Orman, Susie Orman, Susie Orman, Susie Orman. I don't like to pay fees. That's funny stuff. Susie Orman. What are your CD rates? I like CDs. They have FDIC insurance. What are your CD rates? Less than 1%. A CD will not help you reach your goals. After taxes and inflation, you have a negative return. It's a tough one. You will lose money. But they are free and guaranteed. Guaranteed to lose money. I will have to ask my brother about that. Is your brother in the financial services industry? No, he is an electrician. But he has a subscription to Money Magazine. So, you value the opinion of an electrician over a certified financial plan. Oh, that's good stuff. I think we are done here. Would you care for a lollipop? There is no fee for it. The lollipop is free. <laughs> Anything else? All right. Do you offer mortgages? We do. It is a great time to refinance. I don't want to refinance. My husband and I are thinking of getting a condo in Florida. You can't lose money with real estate. You cannot possibly <laughs> get a condo in Florida and afford to retire in five years. Also, you would need money for a down payment, and you have 5000 in savings. I have money in my IRA. Now I'm positive you are just not listening to me. That money is for future income only. Do you hear me? You horrible, horrible woman. What about socially responsible mutual funds? I... Well, anyway, yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty funny clip there. So yeah, that was a tough meeting you had, and you you, you uh, handled it very well. Well, it was so, stressful, but good uh, job. I came through. So, um... Hi, everybody. I'm Susie Orman, and you are watching The Susie Orman Show. This isn't The Susie Orman <laughs> Show, is it? <laughs> no, but anyway, um, let's get going here, Ethan. All right, let's what do, do it. What do you got? All right. Well, do you want to do a little market update before we uh, Yeah, because we're going to have to take a break. Um, the, the heart of the matter yeah, let's here. take a look. Um, today the Dow was down about 29 points. Mm -hmm. And that puts us here to date uh, with the close at 16,550. Just close to being flat for the year to date. Hmm. Down about 0.15. S&P 500 was down 8.32 today to close at 1875.63. That leaves us 1.48% in the positive for the year in the S&P. Um, when it comes to large growth and value, value's up about 2.453 now year-to-date. Large cap growth up 9 tenths of a percent. Small cap growth, and again, these are just uh, ETFs that we track, various iShare ETFs that we're tracking for these. Um, just makes it easier to get the daily data at the close of the market for us. Right. Small cap growth and small cap value growth down 7.9. Small cap growth for the year-to-date number, Ethan, and small value down around 3%. Micro cap is getting hit this uh, year so far, 
down 7.87% year-to-date. And international developed country large blend stocks up 0.55. Large value up 3.2. So large value stocks in the developed international doing pretty well. International large cap growth down 0.11%. Emerging markets, the general blend uh, emerging markets fund that we track up about 0.2 year to date. So slightly positive. Um, negative over the last 12 months still, though. Emerging markets down about 3.24 for the last 12-month period. Mm-hmm. Frontier markets continue to do fairly well and hold up year-to-date with a positive 11.83% return uh, year-to-date. REITs also, U.S. REITs, uh, up 10.52, those real estate investment trusts. That's pretty good relative to the equity uh, asset classes. And the general world stock index, I like to look at the Vanguard simple BT, up 1.26% year-to-date. So not quite halfway through the year here yet, Ethan. Um, there's some positives. Um, again, on a, on a global basis, just slightly positive. Not much going on with the yields. Uh, in fact, the Treasury yields are down a little bit from last week. Five-year at 1.62 versus 1.74 last week. Ten-year Treasury at 2.61% versus 2.69 last week. Uh, not much changing there. The the uh, five-year tre- Treasury uh, inflation-protected security is at negative three-tenths of a percent, and the ten-year is at 0.42, and that gives us a inflation break-even rate on the five-year, 1.92%, and 2.19 on the ten-year. So... Let's take a quick break, Ethan, and uh, all joking aside, when we come back, we'll get into some serious discussion about investing. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. Your host here, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. This is the uh, second segment of the show today, and uh, I thought, Ken, for this this part of the the, the show, I would uh, reach deep into the vault. You know, it's been a little while since we did a vault item, and uh, last year, this time last May, there was an article that came out in uh, Kiplinger, All and right. it's the there are twenty five favorite mutual funds. And, and the idea with this vault segment was we would pull articles from we progress through time and later go back to those articles and see how how true they they were or or how far off they were. Yeah, right. And so it's been about a year since this was published. It was published last May, May 2013. And as you know, it's May now, 2014. And uh, so before the show, I just ran a couple of numbers here. I, I looked up the funds they had invested here or they recommended. And they have broken down by category here. They First, they have the large company stock funds and then some small company stock funds and some other things. And so I, I just went through and... Uh, Took the ones that they have on the list, for example, in the large company area, and most of these are actually value value style um, mutual funds. So, for example, Artisan Value is a large cap uh, U.S. value fund. Dodge and Cox stock is also a large cap value, and Fidelity Contra, which is also on the list, is a large cap value. Uh-huh. And then Vanguard Dividend Growth, which is um, also a pretty close to a value style type of fund. So there are actually five listed, and I, I compared. Four of them, because one of them is actually growth fund, which I didn't look up before. But the main point is, I, I compared them to what we would normally use in that space over the last one year, and I have the returns here through Morningstar. Just look at the chart for the trailing twelve months, and it, can you any guess as to what the results might have been over that period of time? I know you haven't seen this before the show, so what do you, do you have any premonitions as what I'm going to reveal here? No, I suspect that uh, you cherry pick this article so that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the point you'd like to make, which is probably that predicting future returns or picking the hot or best uh, managed, best performing funds based on recent performance data is probably not going to work out most of the time. Most of the time, yeah, that's probably true, probably true. So uh, I wouldn't say I cherry-picked them, I just ran them, so I, maybe naturally, not not exactly like that. But here's the result. So I ran these these. Uh, these uh, comparisons through uh, with the DFA U.S. large cap value fund, which is, again, a U.S. Uh, large cap value fund that we use in our portfolio. And it would be the same asset class that's captured by these other funds that are mentioned. And all but one of them underperformed that, that, that fund. Wow. Only one of them outperformed, and it was just by a, a smidge. Actually, I don't have the actual returns here. I'm looking at this, the chart mm-hmm. that tells you the ending value. All of them are below the value of the DFA large cap value fund. That's really the, the enhanced index fund that we would use for in that same space. And the one that outperformed, let me get you that one, was the dot, no. I'm sorry, here, let me look at my colors. are getting kind of, get me cross out here. Yeah, the Dodge and Cox is the one that outperformed slightly over that same cross period. Side, huh? All right. So not, not much. Uh, yeah. wasn't, wasn't much better, only slightly better. But if you had a choice in looking at you know, large cap value funds, um, you would have had to pick the right one in this case to get only slightly better performance than the enhanced index fund offered by DFA. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. 
and, and pretty much what I expect. I, over most periods of time, I, I would expect the same outcome. Yeah. Um, I had thought initially that the, the expense ratio would probably be <clears> the <throat> biggest determinant here, but in this case, it doesn't. I think it's because it's a small period of time that doesn't add up to all that much. But so again, in this case, you, you were better off uh, three out of four t- in four cases by uh, betting on the the enhanced index fund. And so I ran the same type of thing for the uh, the small cap funds, which were also in this article uh, presented in Kiplinger back at last May. And in fact, in this case, every single one of them that I have in here that are are actually um, just small cap blend funds. So I'm not looking at value or growth, just the blends. Each of them, in fact, underperformed the respective uh, DFA small cap um, uh, enhanced index fund. Oh, that's interesting. Over that same period. So none of them, none of them did better. Hmm. And there were one, two, three, uh, four, four on that list that are just blends, including uh, some things, ones I've never heard of, but uh, like uh, Acre Focus, Baron Small Cap, Fidelity Low Price Stock, and home, Homestead Small Company Stock. Those are the name of the funds oh, that are on Homestead, the list. Homestead, yeah. So in each of these, they're pretty, actually fairly expensive um, in comparison to the, uh, they range in expense ratios from 1.4% to 0.88%, um, the high being the eight acre uh, focus and the low being the Fidelity Low Priced uh, Fund. But in any case, none of them outperformed, which I, I thought was interesting. So these are the funds that they're recommending over the last one year. And, boy, if you did that, you, you would have been better off doing something else. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ethan, um, just on a, on a note, as it were, um, we were playing that funny clip, that Dana Life and Advisor clip that you found on YouTube some time ago, actually. And yeah. uh, I had just got back from lunch. I went to a, a presentation I've been... I like to stay apprised of what is what's out in the marketplace, and particularly when there's various academics there. So the last couple I went to, they had some pretty uh, academically powerful people. The the presenter today um, was PhD, had multiple higher degrees, and was a professor actually uh, at the Daniels College of Business, and. Um, he has created with a group several portfolios based on some empirical, what he claimed to be good empirical research on behavioral portfolio management. In the beginning of the presentation, he had addressed a few of the many um, issues or cognitive errors that investors can make. Mm-hmm. You know, our perception and how we view things isn't always the most rational framework. And he said, you know, I was, I'm, I'm very convinced in my 10 plus years of research on this particular topic that most individual investors, that would include you or I, if we're left to our own devices, mm-hmm. do not use a very rational framework for making our investment decisions. And he quoted the well-cited Dalbar study that evidences that research, just looking at average investor performance. And he went on to talk, um, you know, some of these things <clears throat> Um, and I, I just wanted to point out a couple of, of books um, that I still need to finish reading. When we went, you and I went to the CFA conference a couple of years ago, and um, the Nobel Prize winning um, researcher Daniel Kahneman was there, and he was talking. And he wrote a book, Thinking, Fa- Thinking Fast and Slow. Mm-hmm. And um, I've heard multiple recommendations on that book, and it's on my list I want to get to. Right. Um, and he said, hey, read that book, and it will certainly open your eyes or change your view 
uh, on the way that we make decisions and whether or not they're always rational. And he was saying as advisors, one of the challenging thing on the advisory side of the business is you know, when, when each of us are in the client seat or the investor seat, because we have a lot of these cognitive errors, it's hard for us to, to digest that these errors are, are errors that we make. Um, so um, anyway, there are going to be a couple of points I wanted to make. I wanted to mention that book and also suggest that our listeners and, and our clients and investors um, do a little research, take a little time. There are multiple books that I've read on, on the whole behavioral finance um, area. And what's coming out now and what the presentation is, how, how certain portfolio managers and investment fund companies are engaging in trying to exploit this idea of, of the research around behavioral portfolio management uh, to get better returns. And he went on to present some pretty um, incredible returns, you know, something like uh, one of the strategies that he presented that was based on this. He claims that there was about a 7% per year alpha. What? Um, yeah. <coughs> really? Now, Eric and I, our director of research, Eric Lair and I were sitting in this presentation, and Eric is very skeptical. He likes to see the data. He wants to see. There were a few research papers that he cited in his study. And one of the things he was saying in the beginning of, the, of it was that the modern portfolio theory um, in the history of investing, he had it mapped out on a little timeline that between 1934 and 1973, it was more of a fundamental uh, analysis type of uh, the era of finance that he categorizes where Graham and Dodd wrote um, Graham wrote that book Security Analysis, very thick book that mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. Um, you know finance professors I recommend reading and, and a lot of analysts read that book and I've read most of that book it's pretty it is pretty big and it was a a book on um, you know talking about how to under find mispriced securities well how do you find a good deal in the market? Right, and then and then he has a categorized that between 1974 and 2013, this idea of modern portfolio theory, um, that you know markets are efficient and so on and so forth was a was the thing, and then from 2014 and going forward, that incorporating this behavioral um, principles and in investing will be the next evolution of researching capital markets. In hmm. that was a long digression there, Ethan, but what, where I was going with all that is one of his premises was that the MPT breaks down, it, it's not the best way to invest. And I, would, and I think when you're deviating from the idea of diversification, they were almost mocking a little bit, they called it the global mush portfolio <laughs> throughout the presentation. I think one of the premises that I would take issue um, with is that they say, well, there are great active managers, you just have to pick out some of their better ideas or you have to know how to categorize them and you can pick them in advance was his the premise of some of the research he was doing but it's pretty it's it's pretty difficult in my view if you if you're going to start engaging in a lot of these portfolios mm-hmm. one I'd want to get a little more research have a little more time to study the results as they move and two um if you can accomplish all of your objectives, you have to think about what the potential downside of, of any active approach is. Mm-hmm. And because one of the things you're saying is you really only need 10 stocks in a portfolio was one example um, because of the study that shows, hey, once you get beyond that, you, you're really getting 
80% in the first 10 stocks of the value of diversify. Hmm. But there are a lot of other things that you would want to consider in a practical world. Um, that may be true from an academic rule, but it, it still may not. There may be portfolios of those 10 stocks that could be very volatile that perform and and what we'd more be we'd be most concerned about dramatically underperform a broadly diversified right. portfolio, right. and that subset portfolio may do that while taking on equal or more risk, and that wouldn't be great. And so, the the real measure to me is that, geez, if you did diversify globally and you did allocate um, efficiently and effectively, did you did you do did you get rewarded for that capital investment mm-hmm. and by you were talking about just buying index and then enhanced index, but we're going to have to take a quick break, Ethan. I'm sorry, I had a lot more thoughts here, but we'll get to them right after this break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Are you a decision maker in your organization, a mid-level manager, or a team member? Stepping Stones to Everyday Success with host Kimberly Stewart is a program designed to provide you with tidbits and tools you need to achieve results no matter where you are in your organizational structure. Interaction is key, and you'll have opportunities to share your ideas, comments, and questions. Listen to Stepping Stones to Everyday Success, live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. Your host here, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. Entering our third segment of today's program. Just a reminder, this is our, uh, our sort of uh, farewell for a little while anyway. We'll be taking a, sort of a hiatus and <laughs> spending the summer uh, hopefully working on some other, other projects um, to help enhance our, our client experience going forward. But, uh, Ken, for this segment, we are continuing a conversation um, on a, um, well, you went to a, not a seminar exactly, but a, a, an event today. Yeah, a little investment presentation. Right. And I was just trying to weave it in a little bit to what you you're, you were doing the vault segment. Right. Um, and I think I, wh- where I would be cautious is that most of the 
professional investment management world realizes that the empirical data put forth on the general performance of traditional stock picking and all of that um, hasn't borne out to be a great strategy, right? Mm-hmm. It hasn't. So now the premise is that, well, there are good, there are good active things because because we have all these biases, the market does. It's it's his premise was it's not efficient that markets don't get accurately priced, and I, I sometimes uh, struggle through this academic argument between these different groups. Mm-hmm. And what I try to take out of it is, well, it doesn't matter if the market is, in, in my view, if, if if markets are biased, unless they present very obvious opportunities. I do think. There are times where things get under and overvalued on sure. as a group because the market's panicking or people in general have different tastes or preferences for risk at different times. And I think that's more to me of a risk trade-off that you can exploit. Hey, am I willing to put, go and take risk? Am I willing to take equity risk at a time where equities have done very poorly and are now priced very cheap? Um, if you're a Warren Buffett kind of guy, you would be, right? Mm-hmm. And the years that I've Heard him talk and heard about his strategy and how he's made money. I mean, that's what he does. He looks for value opportunities, and his general attitude has been, geez, if if I'm lucky enough to have the market um, go down at a time when I'm trying to buy this company or this business, and he looks at things as businesses, Mm -hmm. and if he likes the business, he's only all, 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 all the more happy when he can pick them up very cheap. Um, and he's done quite well. He's, as you know, um, doing that. And so, I think there there are opportunities out there, but you have to have some sort of a framework. And looking for a silver bullet of beating the market makes me nervous. When I see presentations that say, "Well, if we cut out this and we do that, and we took these managers and we put them in a pile, and then we took their best ideas, and then we narrowed that down, and we." Look what you get. You know, you get these great returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you've got to be cautious about, well, what is the risk of that? And so at the very least, what I would suggest is they have a structured port. You know, first of all, I don't agree that there's a flaw with if, if the S&P 500 in the Dalbar study that he presented beats most of the individual investors and over the time period presented, I think it was all the way uh, – for 20 years ending in 2011 in his slide and we've, we've had our own for a long time yeah and, it, and it's pretty a, it's a pretty substantial outperformance um, during that period I mean it's like five or six percent a year right that um, that the S&P um, has outperformed the average equity investor during that period well what are you getting when you try to beat beat that right and so at least have a core to your portfolio, um, and I wouldn't be too quick to jump because I, my into these types of strategies. I'm not saying they're not good or that there wouldn't be some place to have some, some form of an active, you know, and, and when we can find it, when we keep researching and we're looking every day at this type of research and we can find something that we can really get our arms around, we're certainly going to incorporate it where it's appropriate. But in, in this world, it would most likely be a situation where you're you've got a very core risk uh, managed portfolio that gets you where you want to be, and you're going to segment off some of that for some of these other strategies. I see. You know, more of a 
core and explore type right. approach to it. Right. Rather than say, hey, what I'm going to do is put my money into a portfolio that buys 10 stocks because there's some behavioral attributes here that I'm tracing or we can track down or somehow we can make this data look good if we run these models back in time. Yeah, and that's what I was going to, well, you, you mentioned it already, but how they build the models a lot of time, and I don't know this this specifically in, in this case, but you, what, you, what tends to happen a lot of times when people are doing analysis in these, these types of work, they'll they'll sort of do the, do the data mining. They'll run the numbers and then figure out what worked looking backwards but, and try to apply that same logic, that same rationale going forward. But the circumstances are different in the future than they were in the past. And so really you're, you're really solving yesterday's issues in a lot of ways. And a lot of times they don't end up working out as you expect because yeah. things have changed uh, as you go forward, right? And the future is uncertain. So I don't know what, how, how that fits into this, but a lot of times that's the case and why I think it's a little bit suspect that you can get in this case they're talking about eight, 7 or 8% uh, alpha every, on an annual basis yeah in a particular strategy and then another is just the general outperformance was uh, presented was pretty substantial across the different types of strategies so um, wow yeah and, and in, in some cases you know S&P for the 97 through 12 2012 6.1% per year um, what they're calling the best markets, they're showing a 20% annual rate of return. And that can be very tempting, I think, for a lot of people. Well, it sounds great, right? And I was thinking as I was sitting through the discussion, the presentation, and there was another one I went to a week or two ago, um, how hard it would be you know, to filter the, for, the, for someone who's not in the business to sit here and try to filter these out, these strategies, and prioritize, well, where should I allocate capital? Yeah, how do I make that decision when when there's a lot of stuff being thrown out there? And I guess what I was going to say to me that a part of this, until I can get a little more into the research, mm-hmm. seems like an attempt to say, "Hey, that that if I'm going to be in the active management world, I can't do it in the traditional sense. I need to come up with something that sidesteps this MPT thing, modern portfolio theory, right? The idea that hey, active managers as a group don't and it, it certainly is interesting, you know, but I, I think I need, a, I need to go to a little deeper here before I can... Before you're convinced. Yeah. So, that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Is don't, don't be lured in. And I have an article here for, that Eric had, had put together, if we want to talk about it, about liquid alternative funds. Um, basically, that, you know, now making hedge funds available to everyone because they're, they're more liquid... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you want to go with what you've got over there? Or you? I, I, this is going to yeah. be pretty quick. But, yeah, let's uh, do it. Uh, kind of piggybacks the, the vault section we previously did with looking at the the mutual fund performance over the last year from the funds that were recommended in the uh, Kiplinger article uh, last May, which the results were were subpar. Mm-hmm. Uh, last May as well, I, I had actually two articles. I think it was one was from May, one was from June, but it's almost a year, so I'll bring them both up and. They kind of go hand in hand. Uh, our friend uh, Bill Gross and uh, Pimco, obviously, and uh, his counterpart uh, Mohammed El Arian, formerly of Pimco now, uh, a year ago, both were saying it's time to get out of stocks. Time to get out of stocks. In fact, the, the, the uh, headlines on these two articles are uh, Pimco's Gross warns get out of the market. Fed's QE, which is quantitative easing, oh yeah, chemo treatment is failing. It says which. 
he's saying got a, basically got a stocks in the article, and Alarian uh, basically saying the same thing. Um, these are about two weeks apart. Headline reads: "Time to exit the market," warns Alarian, and so basically saying, "Hey, it's uh, time to get out of stocks." And I just wanted to quickly, which we have the, the return data for the last one year. So, so your man Alarian was saying, "Get out of stocks." Time to exit the market. That's the headline. <laughs> and Pimco is saying, "Get out of the market." I mean, they're obviously reading from the same playbook because they well, at least they used, used to work together. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to reiterate, reiterate that uh, the world stock market over the last year is up twelve and a half percent. Just looking at the VT, <laughs> the the Vanguard Total wow. World Stock Index, and uh, I just happen to have also the numbers from uh, in front of me here. Uh, some of our portfolios. Now this is just an aggregate, so it's this the equity portfolios over the last one year. Our equity portfolios, according to our system here, a fourteen point seven percent trading one year performance through yesterday. Wow. So. If you had listened to these guys, uh, who, who obviously are, are smart people, right? Both those guys are, are very, very, I'm sure, intelligent people. Uh, but even they can be wrong is the main thing. And so it's really better not to listen to those guys uh, or anybody who's making predictions about the stock market because really, no one really knows, especially in the short run, what's going to happen. Uh, and we've, heard, we've said this numerous times in the program before. It's better to select an allocation and stick with it through thick and thin. And that was one interesting thing that he... The Speaker today, the PHU, he, he said, hey, nobody knows what the market's going to do. I don't care if you're Warren Buffett or Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> um, on a day-to-day basis, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, the economy is so complicated that nobody knows. So the second someone says they know, you should immediately discount and stop listening. Right. Um, because that's not the case. And you don't have to know what the market is going to do on a day-to-day or short-term basis to be good at helping people invest wisely. Because, Warren, again, Warren Buffett is one of the best investors in the world. will tell you he doesn't know what the market's going to do on a day-to-day basis. Right. Or what any one particular economy or sector of the economy is going to do. Um, and it was interesting. I was watching a special on him not that long ago. I mean, it's not that every decision he has made has been a perfect one. I mean, during the tech boom, he avoided technology stocks because he didn't understand them. But what I believe has made him so successful is he has a very thorough discipline of how he approaches things, and he sticks to it. And that's something that the average investor, that we have a difficult time doing. So whether it's active management or passive management or enhanced indexing, one of the key reasons that that we investors and professionals underperform is not because they consistently apply a diversified approach or a specific... It's because they're trying to change and chase the next hot thing. Yeah, oh, sure. That's where right. I believe that the greatest portion of returns are lost. Because even when you when you aggregate up all the active managers as a group, they do get market return minus their expense and minus again the tax. If in a taxable investment right. account, that they tend to lose a little more to that. But it's not it's not by the amount of 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 annual uh, return that is. Under, the average investor is underperforming the market. Yes, right. So, so they're getting the, the group of them are getting the market return minus their one percent mm-hmm. to one and a half percent expense. Ethan, we've got to take one more break okay. before we come back for our last segment of the day. We'll be right back on Empirical Investing Radio. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Okay, we're back at Empirical Investing Radio. Uh, your host here, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. Our final segment of today's program, getting a little misty-eyed right now. It's going to be our last show for a little while. Um, Ken, right before the break, uh, we were talking about, and I forget exactly where we wanted to pick up on that, uh, or I could go right into mention about the PIMCO and LRN again. You were talking... Um, yeah, on the break, I mentioned that to you, I was just thinking out loud here. Yeah, thinking to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> As I mentioned, we, dug, we went to the vault last, sec- last segment. And uh, Bill Gross and uh, Muhammad Alalian of PIMCO were saying get out of stocks basically a year ago. Oh, yeah, you were saying you right. gave me the return of their – during the break you were saying, hey, what, what's their agenda? If you're getting out of stocks, where are you going? Yeah, presumably – During that period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. If Bill Gross is saying, hey, get out of stocks, what he's really saying is, hey, go buy my bond fund. That's Because right. he's got the world's – actually among the largest bond funds in the world. There's a couple out there that he manages. And if you did that, I don't have the returns of those funds specifically, but in bonds in general did very poorly, especially relative to stocks over that same period, uh, looking at the uh, one, to, one to five year government credit index for the trailing one year, you got exactly 0.57% if you were in, in that particular index uh, over that period of time versus, again, the, the 14.7% in our portfolio or if you're in, in the global stock market, you did 12.5% over the same period. So that was a little... I'm not sure if it's self-serving or not. I'm not sure if he has that angle or not, but it's one of those things that makes me kind of say, hmm. Well, he's done that a lot. I mean, He really has, right? Times. Yeah. He, he's, I don't think I've ever seen an article he's written that he said, get into stocks. Like, pull out of our, uh, pull your money out of our bond funds. 
because now's a great time to buy stocks. That's true, right? It probably, and I, I haven't read everything he's ever put out. I've seen some of his regular um, discussions or whatever. I think his only, as far as he would probably ever go on that would be to say, well, you, you need bonds anyway for a balance of risk, right? Right. But he's, he's either, you should be in all bonds, get out of stocks, and, and when he's made the, the big yeah, I recall press articles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never heard him say, hey, there is a time where I'd be getting into all stocks. and I, they, they do have some stock stuff, I'm sure, yeah, they, probably somewhere so. in their portfolios, but that's not where m- the majority of their, their money was made, I guess. Um, yeah, and I recall, uh, you know, during the crisis, most recently, that hey, I think the headline was hey, Dow is going to the five thousand. So don't get in the market until it hits five thousand. And of course, it never did, and rebounded substantially since then. And then I also recall late in two thousand two, there was an art- uh, I remember the headline. I think that he was saying uh, it's still a bad time to buy stocks. And of course, uh, the stock market went on a good five year run at the end of two thousand and two. So you're right about that. I haven't seen a lot of headlines where he does say buy stocks, which is interesting. No, not, not typically. And you know, it's, it, it is interesting with the fund in industry. Um, now the Pimco fund is 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 a bit of an anomaly because it is such a huge uh, fund and success story in the in the past in the in the bond stuff. But the fund industry as a whole, if you do some reading on on how they operate. Um, you know they they can be very economically successful without the mutual fund accomplishing its long term objective of adding return, and so uh, the fund company can make a lot of money on a fund that say you go back ten years and it hadn't outperformed anything, right? Because if it what happens a lot of times if they start multiple funds and seed these funds. And say one out of ten of the funds actually beats the market for a period of time. When it's small, money floods in like crazy. And the way that they can bring money in at such a rapid pace, it's not like the way we work with clients where, hey, we're meeting with people one-on-one, building a financial plan, tying that plan to customized individual portfolio recommendations, Mm -hmm. implementing that one investment Basically, they get a big bucket of money that pours in, and they go out and buy the stocks in one bucket. Right. Um, that money is all merged. It's there's not individual accounts being managed. So, for what they've charged historically, I've always been shocked because, um, and I mean, we see this a lot where people have funds in their portfolio, and you know, for the amount of work that's getting done on on the advisory, and for us, what we're doing, and what I've always said is, hey, where do you want to pay your for your help or your advice is not inside of a fund that commingles all your money. Um, those should be as as commoditized really as possible. It, it's they're just executing. Money comes in, they buy. Mm-hmm. Money goes out, they sell certain things, and it's executing whatever the target is of that fund. It should be in the individualized financial advice or guidance that you're getting, whether it's tax, the general investment, um, and investment. You know what components are we going to use that make sense for you specifically versus well in the component your money is being commingled with you know 20 billion other dollars i mean i was just going to look up i don't know if you know what the size of uh, the pimco fund is uh, net assets on the pimco total return are they have all kinds of different classes so yeah i'd have to add all those up but it says 2.96 billion and i think that's because it's gone down a lot 
because money's poured out of those things. And they just want that one class of fund. Well, let's call it $3 billion, right. you know, it just in that one class of the fund. Um, they're not meeting with each particular investor, you know. And so I'm always a little shocked anyway with, with those funds. When the total expense on the PIMCO R, total return R, is 1.1%. Wow. So there's no there's no breakdown on the size with that particular version of the fund. And if you apply that on $3 billion. Here's um, one for you. Yeah, go for same, it. It's the same fund, but it's the institutional class. It's, uh, <laughs> according to Google here, uh, $230 billion. Oh, $230 billion. Yeah, yeah. Which one is that? This is the institutional class, and it's okay. 0.46 expense. Okay, now we're talking. So, so that's an enormous amount of money. So what was the total again on that? Um, uh, $230 billion. That's B billion. A lot of money in what one fund. Two hundred thirty. I want to run a little number. And forty-six for basis points. Forty-six bips. Yeah. And if you want, I so that mm-hmm. generates. If that were the case, um, at two hundred thirty billion dollars, <laughs> forty-six bips. That's one billion of revenue. Uh, or I'm, yeah, that's right. One billion. Wow. So, I mean, for pulling money into one big bucket, that's an enormous machine. And it really doesn't matter if everyone pulled all their money out now. That Those funds have made enormous. And that was my point. is it's If you can find research, launch 20 different funds, have one of them work out, have money come flooding into it to get you into the billions, it does okay and then starts tapering off after a few years you close that down you've done quite well it's not a deal where you say hey we've got to be successful you mean the owner runner, the person runs the fund yes, done the, quite well the, the fund proprietor not the investor yeah 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 that's interesting I don't, I don't think a lot of people know how that works uh or they you mentioned it right just a minute ago how the fund companies open like you said let's say 20 different funds and a period of time goes by and one of them actually does pretty well well they close all the other ones down and the one that succeeded, they'll continue to market that and say, hey, look how good rate we did. Attract tons and tons of money, get bigger and bigger and bigger. But the people who actually are invested in the fund, most of the time, receive either average or below average performance. Because only after the fact, people are aware of it to buy it, right? Right. It's kind of a, well, it's a, not a great thing for, for investors. Not good. Not good. So, hey, that was, a, that was an interesting chat there, Ethan. Um, we've got a couple more minutes here, and I thought maybe we could... Just again reiterate if you want to contact us beyond this program, um, all the shows that we've done, and you know, we even we did guests a long time ago. Simon's archiving all that on our website, mm-hmm. which is empirical.net. We're going to continue and we'll post as we do more and more investment education, as we write more material, we're posting educational material, articles, and all that on our website. I know we have a Facebook page and a blog and all that kind of jazz as well right um and if you want to reach ethan or i um you can call 1-800-923-4307 from anywhere you are and anywhere you are there you are Ethan. that's right um well said and you can email me ksmith at empirical.net and ethan yours is ebroga ebroga b-r-o-g-a yeah at empirical.net as well that's right and you know, we'd be happy to um it's been a lot of fun doing this. We're going to do it again, like I said, but we want to take a little break. So we're working on some written material and some other programs that we've been building. 
And we just want to be able to put all our energy in that for a little while. I think that sounds great. So do you have any other concluding thoughts here before we wrap things up in the next couple of minutes? Well, I don't know. Just, it's been great doing the show, and uh, we'll be back uh, bigger and better in the future, I'm sure. Well, that sounds good. Uh, while, we're, while we still do have a, a couple of minutes, Ethan, um, the liquid alternative thing is something Eric wrote. He's going to post it on our webpage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he basically... The, the gist of the article is that there are alternatives. One of the key things traditionally um, is they may not always have been liquid or or is easy to get in and out of. So now the the um, the pitches from these liquid guys is that we've got a fund that in- incorporates the best of all the worlds. You get the hedge fund like strategies and return potentials without the high fees or the loss of liquidity. And hmm. so it's an article where he goes through and explains what their pitch is. And uh, really breaks down is it worth is it worth pursuing or not? And I'd recommend you go and read that when you get a chance. That's on our website right now. Yep, it will be within the next few days. So fantastic! I think that about does it. And again, thanks for tuning in to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken and Ethan. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 